City Church's audio podcast. This week, Robert Morris shares with us a message titled God's Greatest Desire. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. All right, turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 14. And then we're going to go over to Ezekiel 28 in a moment, and then we'll uh, get to Genesis 1 toward the end of the message. Um, but when I thought about what the Lord wanted me to share, and I talked to Pastor Tim about it, I just felt so strongly I want to share a message with you that I call God's greatest desire. Uh, I, I'm a bottom line type person. Uh, there are two types of people in the world, bottom line people and beat around the bush people, in my opinion, in a bottom line person. You know, when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, some of you understand this, I'm wanting that person to get to the bottom line. I'm trying to, she says, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, is there a point? Dear God, please let there be a point. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm bottom line. So I, I looked at the Bible that way. And, and I think to myself, what's the bottom line of the Bible? What's the point? And what, what's God's bottom line? What, so, I, so it came out this way. What's God's desire? What's he trying to do? And what's his greatest desire? And it immediately made me think of, you know, I have an enemy. I wonder what his point is. What's his bottom line? What's he trying to do? So I'm actually going to show you Satan's greatest desire. Out of Scripture, you'll see it very clearly and then God's greatest desire, all right? So um, Isaiah 14, verse 12, says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. So this is talking to Lucifer, who is a fallen angel. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, notice we're talking about a desire, you've said in your heart. This is his desire. And then these are what we call in theology the five I wills of Satan. Remember the word will is exactly what you think it is. It's the action of the will. So when a person says, I will be there tomorrow, they're saying it's my will. It's my desire. The word will means desire. Uh, when, you, um, when you leave a last will and testament, you're saying this is my desire that after I die, this is where my... $87 will go. You know, this is my desire. Okay, so that's what the word will means. So when you say, I will, you're exercising your will. So this is his will. This is his desire, okay? So listen to these five statements. By the way, all of these have to do with going up, uh, being exalted, being lifted up, being seen, being magnified. Another word is the way to say it would be to be worshipped. So watch what he says here, verse 13. For you said in your heart, I will ascend. Notice that's to go up. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt. That's also being lifted up. My throne. A throne is high. Above. There's another word for up. The stars. The stars are up in the sky. Above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Mount is the highest pinnacle of a mountain. On the farthest sides of the north. North is always up on the map. Verse 14, I will ascend, go up, above the heights. All of them talking about being high. Of the clouds. And then notice his last statement here. I will be like the most, what's the word there? 
high. He doesn't even say the most holy. He uses the word high. See, he's expressing his desire. By the way, watch God's answer. <laughs> Yet you shall be brought down <laughs> to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Exactly opposite of what you think is going to happen to you, all right? Are y'all following me? Okay. So if you want to know Satan's greatest desire, it's real simple. He wanted to be worshipped. It's simple. Um, we know from reading Scripture that there are three archangels in Scripture, or ruling angels. These three are named. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Again, Lucifer is a fallen angel. He's fallen from heaven. We'll, we, we, know, we can show it many places in Scripture. But of these three ruling angels, when you look at what they did, you can determine how, what they ruled over in heaven. By the way, three ruling angels, and when Satan fell, one-third of the angels fell with him. Probably the third he ruled over. They, be, they followed him in his rebellion. Okay. But Gabriel rules over the word. When you see Gabriel in Scripture, he'll be announcing the word. He brings the word to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He brings the word to Mary, the mother of Jesus. He's announcing the word. Michael rules over prayer. When you see Michael in Scripture, he's answering prayer. He's battling prayer. When, when the angel came with the answer to Daniel's prayer, he's saying, I had to, I'm, I'm fighting through the prince of, the prince of, prince would be another, it's the root of the word principality. We fight against principalities. A prince over a region is a principality. Actually, ality would be city. Principality like a municipality, okay? So a prince. So Michael is, rules over prayer. He's answering prayer in Scripture. Lucifer ruled, past tense, over worship. And I'm going to show you how, exactly how you'll know in just a moment. But here's the point. He wanted to be worshipped. He ruled over worship. By the way, these three are the three foundations of every meeting with God. Every time Embassy City Church comes together, you're going to do three things. You're going to worship, you're going to have the word, and you're going to pray. Every time you have a quiet time, you should worship, you should have the word, you read the word, and you should pray. By the way, that's what's wrong with most quiet times is they leave out worship. By the way, that's what's wrong with many churches. <laughs> they leave out worship. They sing. But they don't worship. Okay. So, um, so we, we started in verse 12. This is the every, I don't know of any theologian that doesn't know this is talking to Lucifer, to Satan, before the fall, talking about the fall. I don't know of any theologian, but the problem is we always start in verse 12, but it, it, this starts back in verse 4. It says, you'll take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, and it's a type of the enemy. Uh, the scripture does this many times. It will refer to a man, but it's speaking to the spirit behind the man. As a matter of fact, Jesus did this, and you re, you'll remember, it's very famous. He literally turned to a man and spoke to Satan. Is that right? He turned to Peter. And said, get behind me, Satan. Of course, Peter's probably thinking, you, you changed my name a little while ago to Peter. <laughs> now you're calling me Diablo. I'd, I'd rather... <laughs> I went from little stone to big rock. I, I, I kind of like the rock better than, uh, you know, uh, Beelzebub. But, okay, so anyway. But he wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to Satan. Everybody follow me? All right, so when you look back just a little bit here, we start at verse 12. Look at verse 11. This is still talking to Satan. 
It says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol. We know it's the same one, brought down to Sheol. Watch. And the sound of your stringed instruments. See, I told you Satan was the worship leader in heaven. Why would he be created with instruments if he wasn't a worship leader? The sound of your stringed instruments. So, so I just want you to tuck that away because now we're going to read another passage speaking to a man, but it's speaking to Satan, and you'll all be able to tell it's speaking to Satan. I won't have to stretch Scripture at all. It's not, it's not a stretch. You'll see it very clearly. But it's going to also name some more instruments, okay? So Ezekiel chapter 28, if you want to flip there or just look on the screen or your device or whatever. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. So he's talking to a man, but he's talking to the spirit behind the man. And you'll be able to tell it's Satan. And say to him, thus says the Lord God, now watch this, you were, notice past tense, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now this is either talking about Satan or the king of Tyre was one good looking dude. You were perfect in beauty. But the very next verse tells you for sure it's talking about Satan. Watch this. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Okay, the king of Tyre was not in Eden. There were four persons in Eden. God, Adam, Eve, Satan. And when Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them out of the garden, right? Right? And put angels there so they could never enter again. Enter again. No man could ever enter it again because the tree of life is there. And God drove them out. By the way, everything God does is grace. He said, we got to drive them out lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever. You say, well, how's that grace? Because they had fallen, and if they'd eaten from the tree of life then, they would have lived forever in a fallen state. So God's grace drove them out. And when you, read in, when you read in Revelation, you find out that that tree is in heaven and you can eat from it anytime you want in a redeemed state. So you can live forever. Okay, so this is talking about Lucifer. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardas, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald or gold. I'm going to come back to this. Every precious stone was your covering. But watch this. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes, and we'll come back to this, was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were created with timbrels and pipes. Watch verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. What's a cherub? An angel. And notice who covers. That means who has authority. You are one of the ruling angels. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. The king of Tyre was never in heaven. He wasn't on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. That's Lucifer. The king of Tyre was born in sin like every other man. By the abundance of your trading, and I'll, I'll explain this Hebrew word for trading here, 
You became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, ruling angel from the midst of the fiery stones. And Lucifer is the one that got cast out of heaven. So it's just clear it's talking to Lucifer. It's clear. But look back at verse 13, the, the second part of it. It says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Timbrels. Okay, this word timbrels means tambourines. Some places it's translated tambourines. Pipes, you can look this up on your own. We've got Bible, All everyone's got nearly a Bible software now. You can look it up. Um, any lexicon will tell you this. Um, it means wind instruments. Some places it's actually translated flutes. Your tambourines and flutes in a, in a dynamic translation, not exactly equivalently. I'm getting too, okay, but in, in another translation, it'll be translated tambourines and flutes, okay? But I want you to combine this with Isaiah. It says, the sound of your stringed instruments. And then in Ezekiel, he says, your, your timbrels, your tambourines, your percussion instruments, that's what a, a tambourine is, it's a percussion instrument. And your wind instruments were prepared for you on the day you were created. Are y'all are following me? <laughs> All instruments fall into one of those three categories. They're, they're, they're either strings, or they're percussion, or they're wind. And we divide wind into brass and reed. But it's still wind. You have to blow through it to make it make a sound. You pluck it. It's got strings. Um, and, and I know we have electric ones. And I know those, see, those have strings, but like this keyboard, the old, old type keyboards, remember? We used to have pianos, remember? They had strings. If you ever opened it up, you know, and hit a cupcake in there or something, okay, it had strings in there, all right? Okay. Strings, percussion, and then if we had some sort of trumpet or trombone or clarinet, wind. Are, are y'all following me? All, in, all instruments have fall into one of those three classifications. And your Bible says that Lucifer had all three of those. Why would he have all three of those unless he was the worship leader in heaven? He was created with instruments. And it says, by the abundance of your trading, you fell. Old King James used the word merchandising. i tell you what this, um, this uh, word in the Hebrew means, merchandising. Um, it, let's say that I own a, a suit store, uh, and that Pastor Tim works for me at the suit store, and he sells suits, but I'm the one that owns it. And so you come in, you, you want to buy a suit, and y'all look at it and try it, and say, he says, okay, that'd be $300. And so you give him three $100 bills, and he takes $200 bills and puts it in the cash register, and he puts $100 bill in his pocket. That's merchandising. That's what the Hebrew word means. In other words, the suit store doesn't belong to him. It belongs to me. And that money was supposed to pass through his hands to the rightful owner. So Lucifer is leading all of heaven in worship, and it's passing through him to the rightful owner. And one day he said, I'll take some of that. And God said, you're out of here. Not because God was jealous of him, but because God is the only one worthy to be worshipped. No one else is worthy to be worshipped. 
And that's how he got kicked out of heaven. But I want you to think about this. Worship is what's fallen. Worship is what's missing in most churches and most quiet times. Not most churches or most, but many. I think many churches, many, many churches now are restoring worship and understanding how important it is. Um, but think about this. Lucifer was created with instruments in his body. Wouldn't that be cool? Think about this. You were created with percussion instruments. Right? You were created with strings and wind. You have strings in your throat called chords. Vocal cords, and they make a sound when wind passes over them. Oh, so pretty good, huh? That's why I didn't lead worship, because y'all would say, we don't want our worship anymore. That, that white guy can sing, you know. I, I can't sing, by the way. Okay, but, I mean, I can, but it is a joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay. So you were created with instruments. Hmm. Satan was created with instruments, and he fell, and then God created you. With instruments in your body. I wonder if a conversation like this happened. I wonder if Lucifer said to God, who's going to give you glory now? Who's going to give you praise now? Who's your new worship leader? And God reached down, grabbed a handful of dirt, squeezed it, blew in it, and said, that is my new worship leader. That's my new worship leader. And by the way, that dirt is going to crush your head. I'm going to show my glory through that dirt. And that dirt's going to crush your head one day. Here's the amazing part. The dirt decided that we didn't need God. And God sent his son to redeem the dirt. But it wasn't the dirt. It's that God in the dirt. He put his spirit in the dirt and the dirt became his kids. And so when his kids sinned, his adopted kids, he sent his only. When his sons, his kids sinned, he sent his only son, begotten son. Okay, so what Satan's graces are, it's to be worshipped. It's clear. Uh, I'll just show you just a couple more scriptures on that so you know for sure. When, when Jesus was on this earth, he's, he was tempted, but we have three of the temptations listed. But let me show you one of them. Matthew 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. High. He's, he's really hung up on heights. <laughs> and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down 
and worship me. If you don't think his greatest desire is to be worshipped, he even tried to get Jesus to worship him. By the way, I want you to notice the word fall down. Because worship is always expressed. Don't stand there like this and say, I'm worshiping. Pastor, I'm just, I'm just not an expressive guy. What's funny is you can take those same non-expressive guys on Sunday morning to AT&T Stadium on Sunday afternoon, and they'll lift their hands, and they'll dance, and they'll clap, and they'll shout. Because some big, stupid, ugly guy carries a pig across a chalk line. And you ought to be able to get excited by, about being redeemed from eternal hell to eternal heaven. So worship is always expressed. It's always expressed. All right. So now, so I just showed you past Lucifer's desire in the past. His desire in the, in the present on this earth is to be worshipped. His desire in the future is to be worshipped. The Bible's so great because we got the end of the book. So even if you don't see the movie, you can read the book. <laughs> Revelation 13.4. Here's Satan's desire in the future. So they worship the dragon. Revelation 12 tells you the dragon is that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So it's clear who the dragon is. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? Now, I don't know if you recognize this, but who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him is actually a song that was written about God. We think Miriam wrote it, but it's called the Song of Moses. It's after they drowned, the, the Egyptian army was drowned in the Red Sea, and they said, she, here's what she wrote, who is like our God? And who is able to make war with him? By the way, you might want to read it. It's in Exodus 15. Because uh, the Bible, the Revelation says we're going to sing it in heaven. So you might want to get familiar with it so you don't have to watch the screens in heaven. <laughs> so, but they took a song written about God and they changed it and worship Satan. Who is like the beast? And who is able to make war with him? Pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, um, let me tell you who's able to make war with him. <laughs> See, what's going to happen is one day they're going to be singing this on earth. Who is like the beast? And who is able to make war with him? And Jesus is going to turn to Gabriel and say, what'd they say? <laughs> and Gabriel's going to say, <laughs> they said, who is like the beast? And who is able to make war with him? That's what they said, Lord. And Jesus is going to say, Gabe, because they're close, you know. <laughs> Get my sword. And John describes it this way, and I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him is called faithful and true and righteous, and he doth judge and wage war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowds. And he has a name written which no man knows but he himself. And the armies clothed in fine linen on white horses followed him. And he comes to fight. He comes and treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And his name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who's able to make war with him. Okay, so we've covered... Satan's greatest desire. 
But what's God's greatest desire? Okay, listen to me. It's not to be worshipped. It's not to be worshipped. What's his greatest desire, though? Well, go back to the beginning, Genesis 1. And let me make this statement. This won't take us long to cover this part. Uh, let me make this statement. Um, I, I, I hate this statement because I like good grammar, and this, but this is the best way to say it. When God wanted something, he spoke to what he wanted it to be made out of or to come from uh, or to be sustained by and then to return to. Okay, so now let me say that again. Uh, when God wanted something, when he wanted to make something in the beginning, Okay, now I realize I need to say something. There are some things God created and some things God made. Uh, the word create actually means to form something out of nothing. The word make means to form something out of something else. In other words, if you do pottery and I come over to your house and you say, look at this vase I created. You didn't create it. You made it. You formed it out of something else. If you had created it, you would have said, let there be a vase. <laughs> and there would have been a vase. So there are some things that God said, let there be. And it was. He created. Other things he made. When he made something, he made it out of something else. Because he wanted it to come from that, to be sustained by that which it came out of, and then to return to that which it came out of. Okay? Let me give you some examples here. Um, and I'm just paraphrasing these verses just so we can pick it up. Genesis 1.11 says, Let the earth bring forth grass, plants, herbs, trees, things like that. Okay. God did not say, let there be trees. Because he wanted trees to come from dirt. To be sustained by dirt and to return to dirt. You follow me? Okay. Uh, verse 20. Let the waters abound with fish. Fish are sustained by water. Verse 24. Let the earth bring forth animals. Animals, are they come from dirt. They're sustained by dirt. They go back to dirt. Okay, so let me say it again. When God wanted to make something, he spoke to what he wanted it to be made out of. Why is that important? God wanted mankind, he spoke to himself. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Because God wanted man to come from him, to be sustained by him, and to return to him. So you might say, well, wait, 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 wait. Uh, you told me a moment ago, God formed man out of the dust of the ground. No, no, no. God formed our bodies out of the dust of the ground. Our bodies come from dirt, are sustained by dirt, and return to dirt. Our bodies are sustained by things that come from dirt. Fruits, vegetables, ice cream, things like that. Isn't that right? Cows eat grass, cows produce milk, milk produces ice cream, therefore ice cream is healthy. I mean, when you think about it, 
ice cream is processed salad. Okay. Amen. Okay, so, so my body came from dirt, it's sustained by dirt, and goes back to dirt. But my spirit came from God, it's sustained by God, and goes back to God. But what would happen if a plant said to the dirt, I'm pulling out. I'm going to make it on my own. What would happen? It died. Man said to God, I'm pulling out. I'm going to make it on my own. God said, the day you do, you'll die. Man's body didn't die. Although death set in and man began to die much sooner. But man's body came from dirt. Man's spirit died. Ephesians says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And you, he made alive. You were dead. You know, we quote John 10, 10, we kind of forget part of it. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. We talk about the abundant part. Listen, here's what he said. I've come that you might have life. You weren't even alive without me. Okay, so, trying to figure out what God's greatest desire is. And I, I kind of go through this analyzation when I do this, step by step. So, okay, I'm trying to figure out what God's greatest desire is. But God made someone just like he is. Adam, right? Now, this is before the fall, okay? Adam and Eve. He makes, so let's talk about Adam first. He makes Adam. He makes someone in his image after his likeness. So I'm trying to figure out what God's grace desire is, and God makes a person, I want you to think about this, who has not sinned yet, he's in a perfect world, he's perfect, but he has a desire. Think about this. This is before the fall. This is before sin comes in the world. God makes Adam, he's perfect, he's in a perfect world, yet Adam had a desire. He had a desire. Because it says, you know, he comes to God one day, and in essence, he says, I'm lonely. And God says, well, um, um, I need you to do something for me. Um, I did everything in six days. Didn't have time to name the animals. So why don't you name the animals? And while you're naming the animals, see if you like any of them. <laughs> because it says... That while he was naming the animals, listen to this, there was not found a companion for him. What does that tell you? He was looking for one. He was looking for a companion. So he's looking, you know, he, he sees the hippopotamus. And he thinks, you know, she's big, but she'd be warm in the winter. <laughs> He 
Isso. He's looking for a companion. Right? He was looking for a companion. There was not found. There was not found. That means he was looking. A companion. He wanted a companion. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what God's desire is, and God made a replica of himself and put it on the earth, and the replica he made, this is before sin, when he was perfect, wanted something. So while he's naming the animals, he goes to sleep. You remember this? And he wakes up, and there's this new animal there. And he says, whoa, man. That's how she got her name, in case you don't know. So. Whoa, man. I like this one. And he, in essence, he says this. She looks like me. She's bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. She looks like me. She looks like me. I like her. Okay. So Adam wanted something. How did God know that the only thing that would satisfy the one desire that he had would be a bride. How'd God know? Okay, so, so he makes him a bride. Why, why didn't he make him a, um, a football? Men like footballs. Why, why didn't he make him a, a remote control? Men like remote controls. <laughs> He'd have been sitting there in the garden in his recliner. I don't know what it is about this, but I can watch that tree and that waterfall at the same time. <laughs> First picture and picture, you know, he just, and I can flip back and forth and not know what's going on in anything I'm watching. <laughs> what? How did God know? That the only thing that would satisfy Adam's desire was a bride. Because God has the same desire. He made someone exactly like he is. This is before sin coming to the world. And the one he made said, I'm missing something. And God knew he wanted a bride because God had a son that wanted a bride. So, what, what if, this, this didn't happen, but what if Adam had not been with Eve when she sinned? Now, he, he was with Eve, he was right beside her, the Bible says, and he sinned also. But what if he'd been on the other side of the garden? then a conversation like this would have happened. God would have had to go to Adam and say, I, I'm so sorry, son, to tell you this. Um, but your bride has sinned. 
And because she sinned, she's going to die. And we know that didn't happen because Adam was with Eve and he sinned also. But something like that did happen. God had to go to his son and say, I'm so sorry to tell you this, son. But your bride has sinned. She's going to die. The bride that I made you is going to die. And Jesus said, I don't want her to die. And the father would have said, someone's got to die. And Jesus said, then I'll die. I'll die so that my bride can live. You know what God's greatest desire is? You. You are God's greatest desire. He died so that you could live. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on social media at Embassy Irving.